This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. All eyes on Anfield. This Saturday, the Reds are back at home as Arsenal visit for the tea time kickoff. Two clubs steeped in history and a match that certainly is. From the title decider in 1989 to last season's 5-1 mauling of Unai Emery's side, it's a fixture that quite literally has seen it all. I'm Guy Clark. This is Moment in Time here on the Blood Red channel, a special offering that we hope to bring you throughout the course of the season. It's where we'll be getting all nostalgic, looking back and reminiscing on a historic moment in the Reds' history. In this edition, we're heading back almost 15 years to November 2004, as Arsene Wenger's all-conquering Arsenal came to Anfield, having only recently seen their 49-game unbeaten run fall at Old Trafford. As the game ticked into the 90th minute, with Patrick Vieira having cancelled out Xabi Alonso's fine strike from distance, the two sides looked set to share the points. That was until a certain 22-year-old decided to take matters into his own hands, volleying in from 30 yards in front of the cop for what was his first Premiership goal. That man was Neil Mellor, and here on Moment in Time we've been along to catch up with him to talk about that goal the pressures he felt trying to break into the first-team squad, as well as looking ahead to the weekend's game, the title battle with Man City, VAR and so much more besides. But to get us started, I began by asking Neil about that moment as time froze still as the ball dropped out the dark Anfield night sky and just what was going through his mind. Probably surprised that the manager hadn't taken me off by that point. Um... It was obviously a big game against Arsenal, who were a top side at the time, and it was one all against. It would, that was a good result for us, one one against Arsenal at the time. They'd only been beaten once, which was away at Man United, and they're invincible the season before. Um, and it was a tight game, and I was thinking, I've not had too many chances in the game, but I'm on the pitch. Could there be one last opportunity? And um, Thankfully, it came, and um, it was it was one of those moments which it's nice to reflect on now. You know, fifteen years on, you say that goal against Arsenal, and and it's nice to have that moment. I often say I'd love to have played four or five hundred games, of course, for Liverpool and won many things, but it's still nice to have a couple of moments. One of them being against Arsenal that fans still remember even fifteen years on. And you mentioned the manager there. Obviously, Rafa Benitez had come in new that season. Chances, I suppose, few and far between for yourself. And that game, you start, you finish the game as well. By that stage, closing stages of the game, were you blowing somewhat? Because you, <laughs> you hadn't been playing sort of all yeah. too many through through the ninety. Yes, but I suppose adrenaline gets you through certainly uh, first few games. So it was, um, I was still buzzing to be out there, um, and obviously. With it being the closing stages, Rafford only made one sub. I think Pongol had gone off. Nunes came on. Um, and it was funny because when Nunes was stood on the touchline, I remember second half thinking, he's definitely going to bring me off. Um, but thankfully he didn't. He elected to go with Pongol, kept me on the pitch. And, you know, as a centre-forward, I was often that sort of centre-forward right throughout my career that I may not have been too influential throughout the game, but the odd chance that would pop up, whether it be in, in the last minute, I always fancied myself to take that chance. And, thank, well, thankfully on that day, I did. 15 years on that moment, you have the moment against Olympiacos as well. You mentioned obviously playing sort of four or five hundred games for Liverpool and having those moments. That coming early on in your Liverpool career, back then, was it something difficult to deal with because you'd come up with a spectacular goal like that? People perhaps expecting that of you on a more frequent basis? Not really, no, because I genuinely believe that I was capable of that and I felt as though that goal 
certainly gave me confidence but also proved to a lot of people I was able to deal with that level the only thing I had to manage was the injuries <laughs> you know that was for me my biggest obstacle I didn't doubt my ability once I had the respect of my teammates um, you know the likes of Carragher the likes of Stephen Gerrard Sammy Hippie Alonso they, they believed in me and I saw that I, ha- I had their respect so there was no doubt about my ability it was just managing those injuries I mean even we talk about that game that goal against Arsenal when I arrive at the ground at Anfield that Sunday afternoon the first thing I do is put my tickets to the ticket office so my family my mum and dad are going to be there for the game the next thing is to go into the medical room to see the doctor to have a painkilling injection just to get through the game you know I wasn't fully fit to play that game but I had to have the injection to to help me um, get out there and be able to play. We had injuries at the time. I think Babaros was injured. I think Cissé was injured as well at the time. So so that was my opportunity and I wasn't going to turn that down, um, albeit not fully fit. I think you just turned 22 that month that you scored that mm. goal. Even then, you're having to go through the process of managing your body. Yeah, frustrating. Really frustrating. Um, not ideal, but unfortunately it happens and it was something I was having to manage. The thing for me was, when you say an injury... It, mine was with the knees and it was both knees as opposed to being isolated in one knee and what it did was it was that painful getting in and out of a car was excruciatingly painful for me get, going up and down stairs changing direction when I was running um, and even straight line running prolonged w- was really painful for me so that was what I was having to manage at the time without actually knowing what it was they were telling me it was tendonitis and we held off surgery for a few months before it became too much where I had to have the surgery so you mentioned even that game and, and that goal scoring that and subsequently Olympiacos in the Champions League at that stage, day to day as well as obviously match days, you are managing yourself, I suppose, minute by minute, hour by hour, making sure you're fit for these games. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was the frustrating part for me. Uh, I'd missed the pre-season through an injury, um, which was difficult because that was Rafa's first season when he came in and, and I wanted to impress him. I had to get myself to a certain level of fitness knowing that I wasn't fully fit, but still managing to go out there and try and compete through having painkilling pain injections and having anti-inflammatory tablets. And, and that was my that was my life till I had the surgery, really. And I suppose that stage of the season, as you're coming into the beginning of the winter, was a pivotal moment in your football career, really, because you mentioned the injuries that, I suppose, in many ways afforded you the opportunity to, to start a game like that, score a goal like that, that you did. And it being Rafa Benitez's first season, you'd come through under Julier, been on loan at West Ham. Mm-hmm. It was one of those moments that you had to be there to take. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, you know, this is what what I wanted. You know, from a young player coming through the youth system at Liverpool, uh, wanting to get that opportunity, seeing how big the football club was in terms of 2001 was a big year for me. I was a youth team player. Uh, we got to the semi-finals that year in the Youth Cup, but seeing the first team win three trophies, being at every final, being at Cardiff for the two finals, being over in Germany in Dortmund Stadium for the UEFA Cup win against Alaves, it was like this is this is what this I want to fulfil my dream of being a professional football player, and this is the place I want to be to do it. And um, yeah, so it was. Um, I was focused. I was single-minded, mentally strong, to want to achieve the dream of being a football player. The only obstacle I had in my mind wasn't how good I was. It was managing those injuries day-to-day, getting through training. I'm okay for the next day, that sort of thing. You mentioned mentality there and obviously going on, doing what you do now, the media, you can tell you you read the game and even for this interview, how well-prepared you are knowing everything about it. Mentioned 2001, the likes of Owen, the likes of Fowler, Heskey, all in that striking position. I suppose that struck a chord with you 
and showed the mentality of what it takes to be a top-level football player for Liverpool because all three of those were England internationals. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I mean, you look at young players coming through, um, even today, and the one position which is probably, you would argue, is one of the hardest is, is the centre-forward position because now in the Premier League it is those internationals, certainly at the top clubs. And it was, it's never been any different at Liverpool. You know, when I was coming through, there was Lippmann, who's an attacking player, Finnish international, world-class football player from Barcelona. We got him, Michael Owen, uh, Emil Heskey, England international, top England international. So I knew it was always going to be difficult to try and break through Um but I never doubted myself. I always believed that I could get through. And I think it helped having my dad for advice. He was a professional football player himself. He played at Man City, played under Jack Charlton at Sheffield Wednesday. Brian Clough signed him as well uh, as a record buy for Brighton as well. Which, which so, so he'd experienced what football was. And his advi- advice was always invaluable to say, don't fear, um, don't, don't be scared of the first team boys. Go and show the quality you have. And so for me, I was never intimidated being around first team players, knowing the step up from youth team football to first team can often be very challenging for young players. Was that the thing then, when you called for that first session from going from the youth team to the first team, thinking, I know what they're all about, I'd like to perhaps take a bit from each of them into my own game, but at the end of the day... I am Neil Miller, I am my own player outright. Well, yeah, I mean, you often see and hear young players, don't you, compared to the next Steven Gerrard, the, the next Michael Owen. I always feel that's a little bit unfair on young players because they are the, their own player. And um, and that was very much me. I was a, a late developer in terms of when I first signed at Liverpool, 16, 17, I was top scorer, but... I wasn't the one they thought would come through. It was other players that were in the England youth set up at the time. Um, but that never stopped me believing that I am my own player. Like I say, some games I may be quiet, but I, I knew I had the knack of scoring goals, whether it be the first minute, whether it be the last minute, I knew I had that knack of scoring goals. So that gave me the belief. And even around the early 2000s, all right, social media wasn't around, but the internet was vibrant. The fans' forums were really vibrant. And you mentioned the comparisons that are often made with Liverpool because of, in the 90s, the likes of Fowler and Owen being home-produced players that Liverpool came through. Comparisons made to yourself by people who quite often maybe have only seen you 20 minutes in a youth game or looked at your record and just seen how many goals you've scored. Yeah, probably just as well that that there was no internet going around then. Um, Yeah, I mean, it was... um, it wasn't too much of an issue for, for us back then. It, it was a case of wanting to get in and around the first team. Nowadays, for the modern player, they have to have the added pressure and worry of, of social media and, and maybe being affected by that, what fans say and, and, and think about them. And, and that may well affect their performances. But back then, there, there was none of that really to worry about. It was Yes, we had the, the internet and the match reports, but it was mainly all positive. It was sort of, another, like you say, another goal. So if you read the Liverpool programme sort of 2001, 2002, 2003, it had me like, I don't know, played 12, scored 12 sort of thing. And so you would see numbers like that and say, he must be doing well, as opposed to every game being scrutinised the way it is now on Liverpool TV and, and the social media sites where perhaps more faults would have been picked out of my game. Yeah, everything now, as you say, is under the microscope. And while she'd been around the first team a couple of seasons and been on loan to West Ham, that goal in front of the cop, I suppose, was the real introduction for you to... And I, I always remember the celebration, walking away, arms out, out wide. Yeah. I'm here. Lovely, Yeah, special moment. Um, obviously, it's, um, people likened it to a Roy the Rovers moment. You know, I've, I've loved my football. And it felt as though that was... 
I suppose announcing myself on the um, on the top stage in the it was called the Premiership then it's now the Premier League. Um, I think it meant more because it was a Super Sunday, you know. Back then, you know, it was a it was a big deal, Super Sunday, um, against the best team around. You know, you look now and you think. Arsenal were the side to beat back then. They'd won the Premier League Premiership, been unbeaten, and they were a major scalp that season. So we went on to achieve a lot that season. And some people often say, well, do you think that could have been maybe a pivotal moment within the season? Because it was our first big result. And I think what it did was it gave, obviously not just me because of the moment, but the whole group of players the belief we can achieve, we can achieve, we can succeed against some of the top sides around. So I think it may well have certainly played its part that day beating Arsenal. The Arsenal team of that day and just a few of the names, the defensive partnership of Toure and Campbell, uh, Fabregas, a young Fabregas was in the midfield alongside Patrick Vieira, Thierry Henry up front. As you say, Jens Lehmann in goal, this was a side who had conquered Pretty much all before them the year before. What a team. Hey, Lauren right back, Ashley Cole left back, Perez, Lundberg, Thierry Henry, who was in his palm, wasn't he, scoring goals for fun, the pace he had. Um, Van Persie couldn't even get get a starting lineup. He was on the bench. It, it was a top side, but but we had a good side as well. You know, Carragher and Sammy Hippie were a solid defensive partnership. Steven Gerrard was playing just in behind me that day. Uh, Jabi Alonso was playing. Um, so, so, we, so we had top players ourselves. Um, and it all came together on the day to, to, to beat that Arsenal side. That year, albeit regardless of the FA Cup and the Burnley game, cup competitions really were your thing. You won the Champions League, reached the League Cup of the uh, League Cup final against Chelsea as well at the Millennium Stadium. On your day, you really did sort of take it to, to any opposition. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Rafa came from Valencia, didn't he? And he came with. Yeah. I must admit, when he came, I didn't really know a great deal about him. But obviously, he had succeeded in Spain. And what he did was he he, he was meticulous with how he wanted us to play. I felt as though I learned a lot more tactically under Rafa Benitez. Every day, we knew exactly where we needed to be, where the ball was, in and out of possession. Uh, Rafa was really keen on, on making us aware of where we needed to be. Um, and it certainly showed in our cup competition form. In the league, we struggled to compete at the top end in terms of one and position one and two I think we finished just outside the top four that season but as you say apart from the FA Cup embarrassment at Burnley which we don't want to talk about um, the League Cup we did get to the final um, being beaten in extra time by Chelsea and then the Champions League run which was something that I think we all enjoyed we were underdogs throughout the competition but it was you know what Liverpool was all about that real passion everyone getting behind us and, uh, and we succeeded eventually in Istanbul and that season going into it with Rafa Benitez coming in and certainly looking at the striking department, Michael Owen left, Emil Heskey had gone, Gibraltar Cisse came in, but with two going out and one coming in, it doesn't take a genius to work out. You must have felt, as one of the strikers, I've got a chance here of knocking on the door. Yeah, I think that was always the disappointment for me when, when Julio was there. I never really felt part of it. Um, I remember I'd scored quite a few goals in pre-season thinking I'm going to be part of the match day squad, not, not since starting the games, but part of it. Um, and he sent me out alone and that was a real sort of kick in the teeth to say that not feel wanted whereas Rafa was completely different from day one on pre-season he'd, um, he said right you're part of my 24-man squad you're going to be involved this season to get yourself ready and and that made me feel part of it um, and that was sort of the, the big difference You mentioned there with Julio and that West Ham 
loan coming around because the year before you had featured a lot in the League Cup run again. I think you, you reached a final that year playing Man United. I've played the... in three League Cup semi-finals, <laughs> but never played in the final. And we've won all three of those League Cup semi-finals, so uh, not a great start to have. No, certainly not. <laughs> and it must be, but that must that must add to the frustration because you've played your part. And you say a couple of years before in 2004-05 season, you'd scored a number of goals in that League Cup run. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, for young players, League Cup was that sort of competition where. That was where you were likely to get your minutes um, and that was no different for me, breaking in at Liverpool. Um, I'd scored in the semi-final, my first Liverpool goal it was, uh, the year we beat Man United in the final. That was amazing. We only had five subs that day. You know, When we beat uh, Tottenham in the Champions League final recently, there must have been about 20 subs that, that night, whereas uh, there was only five against Manchester United. I'll never forget it. Julio was the manager, had scored in the semi-final, played in a couple of games leading up to that final and he took... He took um, he took seventeen of us down. Obviously, only sixteen can get changed. And he said to me the day before, "You're going to miss out. But if anyone gets ill um, the next day, you're going to be on the bench." And I'm thinking, "Who's going to be ill <laughs> when there's a cup final against Man United the next day at Cardiff?" It wasn't to be. I was in the seventeen-man squad. Didn't get changed. Um, but that was a, a big disappointment for me. But it was great celebrations to beat Man United that year, two thousand and three, in the in the League Cup final. And that was that was my first experience of winning something as a player involved and, and it was obviously great memories for me Julio made sure that I got a League Cup winner's medal which was obviously 2003 because I played my part along the way which is uh, very special to me The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo You certainly played your part in the run to, to Istanbul with that performance certainly against Olympiakos was a disappointment for you after scoring that goal against Arsenal we mentioned the injuries at the top and then getting past the new year that it reached ahead and you had to have surgery and therefore miss the rest of the season yeah well it was just unfortunate you know I look back and I think there was nothing much more I could do I gave myself every chance like I say I was I was constantly managing the injury from the time my goal against Arsenal, my goal against Olympiacos. I was managing it, managing it, thinking this it's got to get better, but it wasn't ever getting better. And that was why it was frustrating. And it all came to a head in the League Cup semi-final at Anfield against Watford. Um, I didn't play well. I was really struggling at the time. Um, I was struggling to kick the ball properly, struggling to run, change direction, all things that you need to be um, to be a football player. And, and Rafa dragged me off at half-time and he said, that that's not good enough. And I said, I know, I'm struggling, really struggling. Um, and he's, he made me play in a reserve game the next day. I obviously said, it's not because I'm not good enough, it's because my body, I'm really struggling. Um, and in the end, I broke down in that reserve game and said, enough's enough, time to, time to get it sorted. And, and that was when I really addressed the problem and saying, I've tried to manage it with tablets, tried to manage it with um, painkilling injections, Surgery is the only uh, the route that I need to try and sort this out. But I was aware that that would rule me out for the season, um, and I wouldn't be able to play any more part. Was it scary that time, sort of with your knees and not knowing? I suppose you go into different medical people within the club and never really getting it sorted. Had enough. I'd had enough. Um, like I said, I tasted a little bit in the first team. Loved those moments, but it was so frustrating to be involved, training every day, knowing that physically. I just, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't cope with what was going wrong with my knees at that time, and so I wasn't doing myself any justice. I was being judged every day, 
but I wasn't at my maximum because something was hindering me and I needed to get to the bottom of it. So enough was enough. And that was when I needed um, answers and I needed it sorted. And unfortunately, back then, um, the medical um, the department perhaps didn't support me as much as I certainly would have wanted it to. Um, I wanted to go to, to Stedman in America. That was blocked, unfortunately. Um, and so it could have been better. It was what it was. Um, but it was um, it was a long and painful journey back, and in the end, after surgery, my surgeon even said, "Listen, you've got a fifty fifty chance of ever competing again um, at the level you've been at." And yet, before surgery, he told me it was eighty twenty. So things like that were certainly frustrating and knockbacks along the way in the recovery process. Well, we fast forward fifteen years, and Arsenal come to Anfield this weekend. Tables very much turned. We mentioned all conquering Arsenal back in two thousand and four. Yeah. It's Liverpool now who are the side to beat. Well, like I said a little bit earlier on, for us, when we beat Arsenal in 2004, they were the scalp. They were the team you wanted to beat. Now, as you say, it's completely reversed. Liverpool, we are the European champions. Okay, City, the Premier League champions, but we are the team that everyone will want to beat. We're the ones who will be a big scalp this season. Um, Arsenal are off the pace in terms of competing for the Premier League title, but they've certainly improved... Um, under Unai Emery to be a genuine top four challenger in fact so they, they were always chasing that position last year with the Europa League commitments um, whereas this season I genuinely, genuinely believe they can challenge for top four but I don't believe they can reduce the gap from 27 points which, which is what it was we finished second they finished fifth 27 points I don't think they're good enough to close that gap to, 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 to get close enough to us this season and the comparison to that Arsenal 2004 team of you often hear ex-players saying that in the tunnel before the game you had the likes of your Vieiras, Omri's, Burkamps. The opposition teams looked at them and went, "Wow, yeah. we know we're up against it today." I suppose yeah. at the moment, sides are looking at Liverpool and look at that front three of Salah, Firmino, and Mane, and just think somehow we've got to score at least two because they're definitely going to get one today. And then they see Van Dijk and think, wow, probably the best player in Europe, if, if not the world. Um, yeah, it's, do you know what? It's great watching Liverpool these days, isn't it? Um, it's, last season was incredible. To, you could say to have only been European champions felt reward for the season that, that we certainly had. To miss out on the Premier League the way we, we did, which was losing once, 97 points, you know, unheard of. Um, but hopefully, I think there's a, a hunger, a desire, a mentality within the group to to want to achieve. We saw that when Liverpool were beaten by Real Madrid in the Champions League final, there was a we want to go one better sort of attitude and they proved that by winning the, the Champions League. I'm hoping that, again, you can see it the way that certainly they've started the season, winning the opening two games and the Super Cup as well, that we want to go one better. We want to challenge City all the way and hopefully hopefully overturn them. I mean, the, the pre-season's been disrupted, it's been disjointed, players have been in different competitions, but we've started really, really well. Two wins, which on paper you would say should win, but with the preparation and the disruption that we've had, it's been an absolutely fantastic start. But for me, there's a real belief that this group of players can challenge Manchester City. I think 12 months ago, if we were sat here talking about it, we'd have said... God, it'd be great to challenge and reduce that gap to Man City. Whereas now we can sit here as Liverpool fans and say, yeah, we are definitely going to challenge Manchester City this season with the players we have in that group. And I suppose a lot of talk through the summer has been about whether Jurgen Klopp should have brought fresh impetus into the squad in certainly the attacking areas because of the reliance on that front three. But at the same time, he's spoken about Oxlade-Chamberlain. But a player like Rian Brewster, you feel as though sometime during this campaign... 
he's probably going to get an opportunity to show what he can do yeah he'll get that opportunity I think we'll see him get minutes this season um, obviously Daniel Sturridge leaving the football club uh, Origi was a huge positive last season Origi's first game time was in December against Everton you know, which is incredible to think the impact he had on our season and yet had to be patient and had to wait for that it could be something similar for Ian Brewster he may have to wait till the League Cup whether that comes in November December those first minutes to to take an opportunity when it comes um, but certainly the front three if they perform the way they have done the last two seasons absolutely phenomenal the chances they create the goals they score just hope that there's not too much reliance on them. Perhaps the midfield can, can help them a little bit. You mentioned Oxlade-Chamberlain, who's got through pre-season, which is a huge positive. Um, and I think if he's playing that midfield three, he's a more attacking player than your Fabinho, your Wijnaldum, your Henderson, your Milner. Um, so I think he'll be a huge boost to have him fully fit and contributing for Liverpool this season. And he's the kind of guy, obviously playing against his old team, is probably going to be thinking, oh, maybe a point to prove or want to show them just how good I am once again and as you say that threat that he can offer from the midfield but in the other side in Arsenal's team mentioned perhaps the lack of summer business that was done and whilst it was hearsay and, and rumours during the transfer window a lot of talk linking Nicolas Pepe with a move to Anfield and mm. of course he's going to be playing for the opposition this weekend Yeah well I mean the team selection will be interesting won't it? because Oxley chamberlain I thought did very well against Southampton um, but then you're thinking will, it, will he play will, it, will he start him when you think Henderson and Fabinho were on the bench at Southampton um, but the opposition Arsenal one of their strengths is their attacking qualities you know Aubameyang is, is, is a top quality centre forward you know he's joined with Salah and Mane for leading goal scorer last season he is a real threat that Liverpool need to be mindful of Lacazette as well he's back fit now scored a goal last weekend against Burnley and as you say Pepe they spent a lot of money on Pepe um, and I just wonder how he will adjust and settle into life in the Premier League. He came on at half-time against Burnley, first Premier League minutes, yet to start a game for them. Um, so it will be interesting to see. I think certainly at home he may enjoy um, th that time in the team, but to, for him to be thrown in for his first start at Anfield, I think that would be a big call to make for uh, Unai Emery. When you played, the Premier League was fast, but now the players in it, it's almost like you're watching it on fast forward at times. And now we've got VAR added into the mix this season. It, to me, it strikes like a game that could see a few decisions looked back on, given the sheer pace that the players are going to be moving at. Yeah, amazingly, we've played two Premier League games and, and Liverpool haven't had a VAR um, decision that's been reviewed. Every goal is, of course, but we haven't had to go to VAR. And I think that, that's a positive because... I'm not sure we've sorted out this VAR um, situation. For supporters, it's been very frustrating. It's been a little bit like uncertain what's going on, confusion, which you don't want. You want to enjoy the game of football. Football to me is a sport I absolutely love. And I'm seeing VAR as something that is frustrating, um, not just the players, but the fans as well, for the game we love. And I don't want that to maintain. I want that ironed out as quickly as possible. I don't want the momentum of the game to be interrupted by waiting two minutes, two and a half minutes for a VAR decision, which the reason we, we brought VAR in, I thought, was for major decisions that everybody saw on the pitch, all the players, all the fans and the officials missed it, which can happen. But, but what I'm seeing now is VAR getting involved for decisions which players aren't even appealing for. Supporters are thinking, what, what's going on? And for me, that's that's where VAR is not needed. A Premier League manager on day one of the Premier League season said, I don't know why one of those incidents was reviewed. 
And that's not what we want VAR to be. We want it to be a good game. We want to be talking about Liverpool's attacking quality, causing Arsenal problems. Another 5-1 would be fantastic. But we want to be talking about the quality on show rather than talking about VAR interrupting the flow of the game. I suppose when you're a team and you're building up one of those buzzwords in football, the momentum, you're building a spell of pressure. If all of a sudden a check happens, we see away teams, if the ball goes into the cup, eventually they get it back. Goalkeeper takes as long as he can to put it on the edge of his six-yard box to take the kick. VAR is going to take the sting out of games for attackers in that sense of it as well. And it is going to cause an issue. Yeah, uh, and and I can hear some people's arguments saying, well, it'll get the decisions right, which is fine. We we want those decisions. And of course, they come with the difference between maybe a a draw and a defeat or or a win, whatever it is. but for me, I just don't want to see it getting involved too much in, in our game. Um, I'm seeing split decisions and, and you're thinking, you know, the new the new handball law that's being brought in. OK, that's not VAR, that's a law. As a, as a former striker, I can't get my head around that. How as an attacking player, if it brushes my arm accidentally, I'm penalised. But if it touches the defenders, they're not penalised. Now, for me, I think that's... A little bit of luck, element of luck, which sometimes you need, as opposed to it being trying to gain an advantage, which is uh, should be penalised. I think that rule will be addressed. Unfortunately, it's in for this season. Something we've seen Man City um, um, penalised for in terms of their, their winning goal. Wolves are being penalised. And the problem comes when we get penalised, Liverpool. We will all be frustrated saying, why is this rule here? Thankfully, we haven't been. But every game that goes by, you're thinking, could this be a game where we're frustrated by VAR, by this new rule? So hopefully the Arsenal game isn't one of them. Yeah, it takes the spontaneity out of it as well. And we mentioned the fine margins between City and Liverpool. and Those two points, whilst it's only two games into the season, could be the difference. So we'll stay tight-lipped for now. I turned it off. When he scored the goal, I turned it off, thinking it was game over. Obviously, City have got the three points. Uh, and and that's I can't have been the only person surely that's turned it off I saw two replays bang it's a goal they've won so <laughs> and then obviously people are texting me saying they've they've drawn the game so um, I think what we'll see is back end of last season it was Liverpool City trying to get the the advantage who plays first who's going to drop points it started already from in August hasn't it because everyone believes it's going to be Liverpool and Man City challenging each other for the Premier League title um, so that could be two valuable points that City have dropped there as early as obviously um, August and another issue just to touch on you with the current Liverpool team as it is now complete opposite position to what you played goalkeepers obviously Alisson's picked up that injury Adrian's come in had the, the error against Southampton at the weekend mm. but as well as that one of your former Preston North End teammates Andy Lonergan has now sort of come in from the cold. He was out there in America training with yeah. the, the squad and now he's part of it. And I suppose it's a case of getting through until Alisson obviously returns. Yeah, he's a good guy. Um, certainly a lot of Liverpool fans wouldn't have seen much of him. I, I've played with Andy Lonigan. He's a great lad for the dressing room. He'll listen to what John Akterberg has to say, listen to the manager Jurgen Klopp, to the coaching staff there and and, and just be a good good person around the changing room which is what you want you think to last season with Mignolet he was absolutely brilliant for uh, for Alisson in settling into to Liverpool and and not disrupt him um, that environment which is so important for me in that dressing room Alisson's injury is a huge blow because I thought he was phenomenal last season he got the golden glove settled in brilliantly well and it's been a vulnerable position for Liverpool in recent seasons we've now got that top class goalkeeper you think about some of this, the saves he made last season I mean in the Champions League Napoli last group game what a save that was but there was a lot of saves throughout the season as well in the Premier League 
and his speed of distribution, which made him such an important player for Liverpool. Now, his injury, we don't know how long it will be, hopefully not too long. He doesn't miss too many games, but that gives that opportunity to Adrian, who made an error. There's no question of that against Southampton, but it wasn't costly. Now, Alisson made error last season against Leicester, wasn't costly. So if you're going to make an error, make sure it's not costly the way Adrian did there. But the thing is for Adrian, and if Lonas gets any minutes... They've got the, the best centre-half in the world in front of them, in, in Van Dijk, who will be a huge help in, in Adrian being in goal, um, being the understudy for Alisson in that time. And looking at, obviously, Adrian first coming in and then Andy Lonergan coming in, the two of them are guys who are experienced players. They've played at some big clubs themselves, although Lonergan never in the Premier League, the likes of Leeds United, Middlesbrough, Preston. He has played for some historic and big clubs and I suppose bring that experience, just even on the training ground day-to-day, understanding the professionalism of the camp. What would you say, even off the pitch, even give that extra half a percent perhaps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's, there's no doubt about that. Lonergan's always had a great attitude. He's represented some big clubs, as you say. Uh, and um, that's the only surprise I would say about Lonergan. He's never been in the Premier League. You know, Maybe a little bit unfortunate that he never has been. Lonergan's strength, and we saw one save in pre-season when he played for Liverpool, is anything within five yards and his reactive save, it's absolutely outstanding uh, the way he reacts. Um, he's, he's with his feet not like Alisson Alisson is, is unbelievable with his feet uh, Lonas isn't quite as comfortable as that predominantly left footed of course um, but he's, he's he's earned the respect and trust of of the Liverpool coaching staff Jurgen Klopp's given him a one year contract because he's seen enough of, of Lonergan around the place and his quality in training to say absolutely I trust you if Adrian, anything happens to Adrian I trust that you can come in and do a job and as we say he's an experienced goalkeeper he's played at some big, big clubs albeit at the level below um, so there's no doubt in my mind that if he did get that opportunity obviously we don't want anything to happen to Adrian um, the way it did with the celebrations with the Super Cup but Lonergan is, uh, is somebody that you know I would certainly be, feel comfortable if he did have to play in the sticks for us Well Neil great to, uh, to catch up with you reminisce and talk about this weekend's game thanks a lot for for your time thank you guys cheers former Liverpool striker Neil Mellor here with us on Blood Red to reflect on his moment in time that exquisite volley against the then reigning premiership champions Arsenal well that's all for now thanks to Neil for his time thanks to you the listener this has been Moment in Time here on Blood Red with myself Guy Clark and until next time it's bye for now you've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo